Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. To call the current social environment in the United States polarized would be an understatement. People seem to have a strong, binary, oddly aggressive opinion on nearly any and everything these days. Guns? Check. Abortion? Check. Fucking pineapple on pizza? Uh-huh. Pick a camp and get ready for bloodshed. Historical presidents aren't off-limits either, and the subject of today's show is probably the most polarizing presidential figure this side of President Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Camacho. I'm talking about Andrew Jackson. To liberals, he was a psycho war criminal slaver who tried his damnedest to ruin the American economy while looking like an angry haunted tree. To conservatives, He's a people's champion, renegade, military badass who looked absolutely sexual in his early 19th century general's attire, but in like a totally not gay way, of course. Of course, in cases of ferocious polarity, the truth usually resides somewhere in between. You know, maybe he was a war criminal slaver who also happened to look divine in his army costume. Maybe not. We'll be helping you make that call today. So get your Napoleonic era military coat out, tune up that banjo, Pull out a crisp $20 bill and stare longingly into the hypnotic, wild-haired visage of Andy Jackson as we tell you his wild tale on this episode of Asshole Court. Well, around here, between Normandy and Weston, we call this here a little twin-twin-twin. Okay, before we get started on this, I want to give a big shout out. We want to give a big shout out to Julia Hayes and to Fanorama who uh, suggested the show, yeah. and uh, we're pretty stoked on it. It's a very good subject. Oh, so yeah. thanks, guys. And what I found interesting is that they both recommended it here just recently. Like it's like April and May mm-hmm. or something like that of this past year. So it's like two independent people are requesting Andrew Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Divine, divine. It, it is. is serendipity. Yeah, love it. So thanks, Julia. Thanks, Absolutely. fan. Big yeah. on you. We love Big ups. You. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. All right, so let's get started with preliminary scores. Who wants to go first on Andy Jackson? Randy, what you got? All right, so my background on Andy Jackson. I know he's the seventh president. I know he's on the $20 bill. And recently, the only thing I can think about a trending topic is they've talked about, and I don't know if it's totally gone through, about replacing him on the 20. That's correct. Really? Harriet Tubman. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, putting Tubman on the 20 and taking Jackson It was off. actually in the works, and then the Trump administration nixed that real quick. So okay. it's still, I don't know if there's been a change that's coming through or whatever. By the time it happens, nobody carries cash. It won't right. fucking matter. <laughs> this is true. It was a question on Jeopardy not too long ago, I believe, yes, either. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, I know 
if you go and just look historically at the time, right? Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president, right? I think most people know that. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Jackson was the seventh. So you have nine in between four years, 36 years. We know a big tipping point right when Lincoln was president was slavery. So yep. you got to think prior to that, dude was definitely a slave owner. And there was a lot of his direction and views backed the slavery, I guess, uh, set up right no correct well it wasn't i mean weren't a lot of presidents prior to that time oh, yeah. slave owners like oh, you look yeah, at george yeah, yeah. washington and, and that's and all. the thing like it is what it is and i guess mm. when you go back and look in historical time what people did you always have to put into context what was acceptable in those times absolutely right so you go back and, and i mean shit just watch um i was watching roseanne this morning yeah. I like to get up nice and early. Um, and watch on the Roseanne? On the weekends, yeah. I make coffee. I, it's like 7.30 in the morning. I'm watching Roseanne. And um, she spanked the absolute shit out of DJ. Yeah. She got, it's the old episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, spanks the absolute shit out of him on TV. I was like, there's no fucking way they could have done that today. Right. Like, that would have been, yep. like, insane. Yeah, of course. Um, but again, it's contextual to the time. So, Absolutely you right. look at things like slavery, how fucking backwards wrong. I'll never condone it, whatever. It is something that happened during that time. And, you know. No, it's a valid point. And I actually wanted to get into that because it is important. It's very hard to look at historical figures through contemporary eyes. Sure. You know, obviously right now, the shit that happens back then is awful. I mean, I think even then, and it's not like that nobody in the world thought that slavery was bad then because there was plenty of abolitionists that existed then and stuff like that. But it's just, it's 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 a different time. So, and especially with Andrew Jackson, I, I really do try to make an effort to in the research and the writing and, and the analysis to explain that, like, look, he was a man of his times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Pe- look, people used to smoke on airplanes. People used to smoke in the office. You know, like women had to wear a certain attire or they were looked down upon. It is right. what it is. Times dictate, you know, behaviors. Right. Sure. So anyway, I kind of regress there. But going back to Jackson, um, I knew he was kind of a stern uh just kind of ruler, right? Mm-hmm. That was his kind of method was intimidation, yep. um, kind of a heavy hand, you know? Sure. I'm going to put him at a 7.2 to okay. start with is where I've got Jackson at a yeah. 7.2. Interested to see. I'm sure there's a lot more underneath the cover. Sure. I know a decent amount, but I'm interested to see what we got going on. Cool. Buddy, what you got? All right. So, you know, for me, my favorite subject of all time is U.S. history. Yeah. <laughs> not not at all. Not at all. Nope. <laughs> not at all. So you Buddy know, likes to study the future in, <laughs> in sci-fi movies. That's right. Now, if this was about Marvel, man, I'd be all over it. But yeah, no, I mean, like the extent of my knowledge of him is, you know, half baked. Have you ever seen a twenty dollar bill on weed? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's what I know about. I'm like, I don't really know much at all. It's just you know, U.S. history has never been something that's really piqued my interest. But I do enjoy hearing about it, and you know discussing some of these people from way back when sure you know here on the show so you know i would have started off a little bit higher knowing that he was a slave owner but you know as y'all have been talking about it up to this point that you know we got to look at the times Mm -hmm. and kind of say you know like say that there was a baseline for the times and like go from that point on so where i would have started him a little bit higher at like a 6.5 i got to run right down the middle at a 5.5 right at the beginning and i'm sure that my score will change by the end of the show once we have a little bit more facts uncovered but yeah, right down the middle, 5.5 off the rip for me. Mikey, bring us home. All right, so I actually am a huge history fan. You guys know that by now, probably. Yep. And I know a lot about Andrew Jackson. But I also didn't know everything about him, you know. Very much a pivotal figure in American history, no matter 
what you think about him, whether you like him or not. The guy is literally like there's a line drawn in, in certain aspects of presidential history and stuff like that based on his presidency in, uh, in, in U.S. politics. And there's a lot that goes forward into it that even carries on into things like the Civil War. Uh, I, to be honest, like there's a lot I could have done on this show, but I, you know, we're trying to keep it around an hour, hour and a half a show. So we really try to pick out the highlights. But knowing what I knew, even before doing the research, I was going to put him at a 7.65. He's not a great person, you know, man of his time still, but still an asshole. And uh, there you go, 7.65. All right. With a 7.2 from Randy, a 5.5 from Buddy, and a 7.65 from Mikey, Andrew Jackson's pre-show asshole score is a 6.78. All right, 6.78 is going to put him just above the triple six trio and Cardi B. That triple six trio, let me remind you, at 6.66 and Adelvi, Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, and we accidentally <laughs> came upon that score. That's true. And Chevy <laughs> Chase. Chevy Chase. All score the same as the leader of uh, the Church of Satan, Anna Delvey and Chevy Chase. Do, our, so. our, one of our ongoing jokes is our scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. Shows you how accurate we are. But which we have uh, updated here recently. So go on to our Instagram, yeah. Facebook, you know, Twitter, anything Check like that. Yep. We've got a lot of shows on there. What are we? It's there's a lot yeah we're we're 70 plus at this point go in there and find if you if you have a a friend that doesn't listen to the show i'm sure they have somebody that they'd be interested in listening to tell them to go in there check it out and give us a five-star review or i'll fucking fight them (laughs) all right (laughs) let's get started you guys uh ready to do this i'll drop a dub on it absolutely solid Andrew Jackson is born on March 15th, 1767 on the western frontier of the Carolinas. This is the wild west of pre-revolutionary America, and the area where he's born is actually contested between North and South Carolina. Jackson would later claim that he was born in South Carolina, so, you know, chalk up a win for South Carolina, the weaker of the Carolinas, I guess. (laughs) Way to go, Spartanburg! Seriously, driving through some parts of rural South Carolina is shocking to say the least. Trailer parks... Dollar Generals and churches, and that's it. Like the entire town is either a minister or a disgruntled register clerk at a Dollar General. I don't know how that works. And it's it's, it's churches. It's, it's churches both in the literal sense and the restaurant. Oh yeah, true. Yes, yeah. It's not Popeyes country out now, there. To be fair, Charleston is a great town. Charming. I love Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach is. Oh, I'd say North Myrtle Beach. Hilton Head, beautiful place. It's fine. There's so many. This the whole coast of South, South Carolina. Carolina is great. It's dive, better than the inland. Yeah, you dive into it, it's it's not great. It's not. North Carolina is much better. That flag will throw you off. You're like, ooh, palm tree, exotic. <laughs> and then you're like, what the fuck, man? It's a Dollar General and a fucking church and trailers. Uh, anyways, like today, the area that Jackson is born in doesn't offer much in the way of, you know, education or opportunity. Opportunity, yeah. Yeah. So little Andy is struggling to get learned. Between wrestling pigs and running barefoot through the woods, probably getting hookworm, Andy is sporadically attending <laughs> schools to learn the colonial equivalent of TV VCR repair. <laughs> nice. But even that gets fucked up with the Revolutionary War. When the British invade his section of the Carolinas, school gets put on the back burner. And the war is definitely not kind to the Jacksons. First, his brother Hugh dies after the Battle of Stono Ferry from heat exhaustion. Damn. Imagine that shit. You make it through a battle without getting your head knocked off by a cannonball like that poor bastard in Mel Gibson's The Patriot, but then you get wiped out from heat exhaustion. 
They didn't have Gatorade back then, but man, if they did, we would have won that war like a whole lot quicker. I bet. <laughs> Man, Electrolytes. What a, a strong name, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Well, it makes yeah. you think of Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. or Hugh Jazz. He would have been fucking Wolverine <laughs> shredding through British officers. <laughs> oh, look at that comic book reference from there Mikey. Is. Hey. But it gets worse for little Andy. See, his mom, Elizabeth, she's pretty pissed about his brother dying of heat stroke out at Stono Ferry. And she's all like, Andy, you and your brother Robert need to avenge Hugh. So get on in there with that local Carolina militia and see what's up. Oh, wow. So they do. She sent two other sons in after one died. That's right. Bold, oh, wow. Bold move, Cotton. It's a different time, remember? Yeah. Man yeah. of the times. Got to fight. One down, two in. That's right. The militia puts the two young lads to work as couriers, and they see some action at the Battle of Hanging Rock, which, let's be honest, that's a pretty cool battle name. Yeah, I like it. Cool if it was called Hanging Cock, but <laughs> yeah, such low hanging fruit yeah, there. Yeah, I had yeah, to say yeah, it. It's okay. Sorry. That's what we do on our show. A lot. Of, we get a lot of frat boy references. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not long after that, though, in April of 1781, that both Andy and Robert get captured by the British, and it, as Andrew would write in his journal, quote, sucked bizalls. <laughs> <laughs> End quote. That is not a real quote. Obviously, I raised hell this summer, <laughs> <laughs> but the sentiment stands. Uh, because it started off rough, <laughs> the, their capture starts off rough when a British officer told Andy to go get his fucking shine box and polish his sissy-ass British riding boots. Andy said, hell nah, and the officer responds by sword-whipping him, which is the British officer's version of a pimp slap. Oh, man. What do like you like, broad slap side? from yeah. the broadside? The right. broadside of the sword. Oh, wow. The sword slash leaves Andy with deep cuts on his left hand and his head. Now... Both Andy and Robert get held prisoner for a while, and in captivity, they come down with smallpox, which also sucks bizalls. <laughs> Worst of all, <laughs> they almost starve to death. Damn. Yeah, and while they're sick with smallpox and fucking starving, Andy's mother is working on securing their release, and she pulls it off, which is pretty incredible. She collects them from the prison camp, and they begin the journey back home. My mom's coming to pick me up. (laughs) You guys don't even know what's going to happen. You're going to be in so much trouble. (laughs) My mom's coming to get me and my brother. (laughs) She'll fix my wounds. That's it. She picks them up, and they- She's got special blankets to give all (laughs) y'all. They begin the journey back home. It's a 40-mile trek. And since they only had one horse, and both Andy and Robert were totally fucked up on smallpox, this was a very rough 40 miles. Worse yet, the last few miles coincide with a massive rainstorm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a bad trip to the beach. Right? So, <laughs> yes, it's, I, I remember that correlate. You're, pull, you're pulling the cart while it's raining. <laughs> yeah. I very much remember ha- uh, having smallpox and having starved to death while I was trying <laughs> to make it back from La Villa at Panama City with my beach wagon. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> rings very true. So Andy, Robert, and their mom are schlepping it in the rain. Robert, being the sickest, is on the horse, and Andy and Mom are walking behind. I mean, I've had bad days, but this would definitely beat all of them by a mile. Look, let me tell you about a bad day. It was my 24th birthday, and I had a job. It was commission only. You walked around in a suit and sold certificates for sporting events and oil changes and it's the guys when you're out in public that you try to avoid mm-hmm. when you see a guy selling stuff and I you like walk a leg i'm your friend and i tried to avoid you during those times absolutely you did and i went out on my birthday and i walked around in a suit uh for eight hours and yeah. i sold zero certificates that day yeah and i didn't even drive i got dropped off 
and walked around. I had no car, and they came and picked me up eight hours, making zero dollars. I had to spend money for lunch, yeah. and then I was thinking to myself on the way back, I'm quitting this fucking bullshit. Yeah. And I walk in, and they had a fucking birthday party for me. Yeah. <laughs> balloon and cake and... Awkward. I was like, God damn it, I can't quit today, but... So how much longer did you stay? Not much longer. Uh, One day, basically, yeah, it right? was not much longer. <laughs> I walked into another business, pitched the business owner on trips to Orlando. Not trips to Disney World, trips to Orlando. Mm, and uh, he was Go like, to the conference center of he, Florida. He said, look, man, I don't need... A trip to Orlando. What I need is you. I need a salesperson that's going to get out and sell my product. Let me show you the commission sheet for the the design yeah. for da 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 da. I quit two days later. Started with that guy. It that was job almost, also almost, sucks. Almost <laughs> even worse. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I could go on for days and about still, my bad jobs. And still, you didn't have smallpox. No, no. And a dying brother. That guy wound up asking me to run a fucking gambling house yeah. out of my parents' house. Yeah, should have done it. Wild man. It. Yeah. Now, Robert is in such bad shape that uh, he succumbs to smallpox just two days after finally arriving home. And Andy gets real fucking close. But he Dude, doesn't that's die. That's the worst. Like, you make it all the way home on a 40-mile trek that has to suck. Yeah. At least he got home, I guess. And then two days later, you die. So now it's just Andy and his mom, right? Ride or die. Me and you, mom. Me and you, mama. After nursing Andy back to health, Elizabeth decides that she's got a knack for this nursing shit, and she volunteers to help American prisoners with cholera on a couple of ships in Charleston Harbor. If you've been paying attention up to this point, then you can probably guess what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ugh. Elizabeth gets cholera, dies, and Ugh. is buried in an unmarked grave. So Andy is now, at the age of 14, an orphan. And not just an orphan, but the sole survivor of his entire family. Strangely enough, this turn of events makes Andrew think a bit differently about the British. <laughs> <laughs> Might have jaded his yeah. thought on how, uh, yeah. After losing his entire family due to the British invasion... Well, he thinks they're real jerks. <laughs> I don't like them. Honestly, it would be more accurate to say that he hates the British with the burning ferocity of a thousand suns. But he'll have to bury that hatred and get on with life for the time being. And what's a late teen to do in the frontier lands of colonial America? Without a high school education. Well, or become a lawyer, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would have done. I read that he, quote, studied law in an office in Salisbury, New, uh, North Carolina, and was admitted to the bar in 1787, which reads to me like he picked up a law book and then became a lawyer a couple months later. Different times, I guess. Imagine now if I was like, hey, guys, so, so back in June, I found this law book and uh, thought it was kind of interesting. So anyway, I took the bar exam yesterday and bada bing, bada boom. Say hello to Mikey Esquire, attorney at law, filed the lawsuit against Randy today for clogging my toilet. Pretty cool, huh? If the shoe fits. But that's how shit worked back then. That's crazy. That's like an um, Catch Me If You Can, where Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's yeah, that's what I character, yep. he like studied the bar for, or studied law for two weeks and passed the bar. That's it, man. You know. It's true. Andy slowly makes his way west into what was then known as the Cumberland region and is now known as Tennessee. When he arrives in Nashville, then known as Nash Vegas. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it is just a tiny frontier town. There are only three pedal bars, occasional bachelorette parties, and the Grand Old Opry <laughs> was called the Grand New Opry. <laughs> no, side note, if you guys have ever been to Nashville, you talked about the bachelorette parties. Oh, yeah. It's the number one bachelorette party spot obnoxious. in the nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obnoxious. So what they do is you... You see him. I, we were there not too long ago. 
Um, I've got a, one of my best friends lives there. We all know him. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we're downtown right there on Broadway and it's these pedal bars. Yep. And what it is, is yeah. you sit up on these pedestals and you're at a station at a bar, but you're pedaling and everybody's yeah. pedaling and there's kind of a director that's steering everything and you just sit and pedal this bike essentially through downtown and you drink. There's that's a keg it. on board yeah, yeah. and you just sit and drink and pedal and you go downtown Nashville, all it is is bachelorette parties and girls wearing sashes and bride-to-be's and, yep. you know, my son was like, this is the greatest place ever. He saw yeah. like four or five go by. He's like, I want to stay here. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a cool town. I think it's getting worse, but that's a different show. Uh, like I said, it's, at this point, that's a totally tiny startup town. And Andrew Jackson is an attorney that is specializing in the collection of debts. Yep, he's that guy. Initially, upon arriving to Nashville, Jackson is just a broke-ass bachelor, so he rents a room at a widow's house, and her name is Rachel Stockley Donaldson. As a tenant, he becomes acquainted with Rachel's daughter, Rachel Donaldson Robards. The younger Rachel is married to Captain Lewis Robards, although it's fair to say very unhappily. Captain Robards is a major dick and a general asshole without a kernel of decency. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Sorry. I love it. I love it. That was great. Yeah, I had to exercise the dad joke muscle there. I love it. You know I'm loving that shit. Absolutely. I write all those in my, my shit as They're well. Fun. Jackson does the colonial equivalent of sliding into Rachel's DMs and convincing her that it's time to dismiss Captain Lewis and enlist him for a tour of a duty or for a tour of duty to her booty. Nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hell yeah, duty to her booty. Hell Sorry. yeah, boy. Can't stop. Won't stop. That's right. Anyway, he's a convincing attorney, apparently, and Rachel does surrender that booty. Now, the story was that Andy and Rachel waited until she'd secured a divorce with Captain Robards, but that is highly debatable. No, he was a cuck. Yeah. He came home and watched uh, Drew bang out his wife. She said, look. <laughs> he took it to the nth degree. Like, he's just watching it. That's right. He's beating off in his little military yeah. uniform. Now, how was divorce taken back in those days? Like, were um, they branded, it, like, with the scarlet well, letter or you're going to see. It'll, it'll come into play here for sure. Okay. Um, and that's because, like I said, like, that there is evidence now that Rachel had been living with Andy, uh, Andrew Jackson. Premaritally? Uh, uh, yes, and referred to herself as Mrs. Jackson before the petition for divorce was ever made. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry, Miss Jackson. So that Ooh. sucks for Captain Robards, but hey. <laughs> that is for real. Who could resist the haunted tree handsomeness of a fucking Andrew Jackson? He has Not some Rachel wild Robards. hair, man. I, yeah. I'm actually kind of jealous of his hair. You yeah, know? That's true. It's, it's yeah. gnarly. Me and you both, <laughs> yeah. So adulterer, we can check that box off for Andy, uh, but there's more that's occurring at this time, too. Around 1788, he had two firsts that were a very big deal for a colonial up-and-comer like a young Andrew Jackson. He has his first duel. It involves fellow lawyer Waitstill Avery. Uh, Jackson uh, fought his first duel with this guy, right? The duel ended with both men firing into the air, having made a secret agreement to do so before the engagement. Duel culture was fucking weird, man. If you ever want to get into it, take some time Shit's and fucking intense, read about dude. it. It is very strange. There's rule sets and there's all sorts of stuff. There's, we're going to get into a good bit of this on the show. This is just his first duel. They both were like, you have besmirched my name. We are going to duel at dawn. And then they're both like, hey, but honestly, like, I'm not trying to die today. Everybody yeah. gets one shot. They're like, just aim up. And now we've settled it. Everybody can move on. I wonder if there were people that like that were like, just aim up, but then didn't. And well, yeah, it could happen for sure. Anyway, the other big first is Jackson buys his first slave. Mm. So adulterer, check. 
Violent dude who also manages to bitch out a little bit. Check. Slaver. Check. And we're off to the races, boys. Now, honestly, I should be fair here. Because while Andrew did set up a kind of draw with Wait Still Avery, that kind of stuff did happen in duels and wasn't all that uncommon, as strange as it may seem. The real truth is that Jackson was a fucking cold-blooded killer who, when necessary, had ice water running through his veins. For instance, let's talk about another one of his duels, perhaps his most famous. Here's how it went down. Remember how Rachel and Andrew were pretty much hooking up openly before she divorced? Sure, Mrs. Jackson. Well, yeah. That was pretty much frowned upon back then, obviously. Hmm. So there there was like always this underlying controversy that would occasionally get brought to the surface by people that didn't like Andrew or Rachel. Mm -hmm. The talk of the town. That's right. In one such instance, in May of 1806, a man named Charles Dickinson basically called Rachel a hoe in the local newspaper and called Jackson, quote, a worthless scoundrel, a paltroon, and a coward. Weird times, for sure, but whatever. What does our boy Andy do? Oh, dude, let's duel that shit up. That's right. I'm I'm ready to duel right now. That shit jazzed me up. That's right. I'm ready to fucking duel. Motherfucker called me a paltron. He called me a paltron, called my wife a hoe. Dude, we're on. I'm about to shoot you in the fucking face. Andy responds with his own editorial. Imagine an article that basically says, quote, Charles Dickinson is a dick. He's a liar. <laughs> and if he's a real one, he'll meet me out in the fucking streets and sell this with two guns, That's two right. bullets, and two of our homies, motherfucker. That's right. And Charles Dickinson, who himself is no stranger to duels, is all bet. Hell motherfucker. Yeah. So Andy isn't dumb. He fucking knows that Charles Dickinson is a legit shooter. His team is like, this dude is good, Andy, and he's fast. And Jackson's like, fuck, I know. I was really hoping he'd back out, but it's like, it is what it is, you know what I'm saying? I got a plan, though. I'm going to let Chuck shoot first, let him get antsy and nervous, and that way he'll probably miss. Then I'm going to take my fucking time and put one up in his ass. When they face off, Jackson indeed follows through with his plan. He allows Dickinson to fire first, but Dickinson doesn't miss. In fact, Dickinson buries a heavy-ass lead bullet right into Jackson's chest, so close to his heart, in fact, that it would be... (laughs) Impossible for them to remove without killing him later. Holy (laughs) shit. With the slug tucked right next to his heart, Andy implements part two of his plan. He lines up and very carefully aims at Dickinson, taking his sweet fucking time. He shoots and drops Dickinson like a sack of potatoes. Now, personally, all weird violence of dueling culture aside, to me, it's pretty respectable. (laughs) I'd say. But I'm not a society man at the turn of the 19th century, apparently, because the general public feels very differently. They're cool with duels and organized violence, but apparently it's not cool to casually take a bullet and then do the dueling equivalent of stepping back from your ball on a golf green to line it up and ensure that you sink the putt. <laughs> Again, well, it's weird more, fucking time. It's almost now, like now, that, that step back three, mm-hmm. where you take the one sidestep and you fake him out. And the and guy they, goes flying past. Right, and you just take your time. And then hit the three. That's right. And hold your hand up in the air. Yeah. It was the equivalent of Allen Iverson stepping over the body of that Laker after he drained (laughs) the three. All right. So now, hold on. Let me just unpack that a little bit. Are you telling me that Andrew Jackson killed Charles Dickinson? Killed his ass. Really? Dueling culture was accepted then, especially in the South. Not Charles Dickens, the writer. Oh, okay. Dickinson. Son. Okay. I was like, (laughs) what the fuck? I saw saw the confusion in his face. (laughs) I was going to say... Buddy, it may be time to bun up on some history. (laughs) We're only a hundred and some years off there, but um, no, I think about that though. You get plugged in the chest, yeah, 
and then have the wherewithal to turn around and he never got that bullet taken out of him. He had it for the but rest yeah, of his you, life. You get wow. a forty-five to the chest, and you're like, Ugh. oh, a forty-five. Sweet compared to what these guys were fucking slugging. Really? That shit was, they were heavy lead fucking thing. I mean, it was, they were so inaccurate. The barrels weren't even rifled at this point. <laughs> the fucking bullets were end over end. Yeah, it, it's for real. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And this is such a big deal that Jackson was socially wrecked for a little while. But we'll come back to that in a little bit. Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes? Do you want to say in the next show subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast. Get those ad free shows you want. Get some input on who you want to hear about and become internet famous with a shout out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends and you'll get new conspiracy court episodes as well. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast to find us today. So let's get back to Andrew Jackson, the collections lawyer. Andrew Jackson is like, really fucking good at collecting money. And this certainly helps him establish a name for himself as a young man. It's great for someone who is eyeing a career in politics. And Jackson most certainly is. There's a good correlation there between Buddy and Andrew Jackson. Buddy was also a very good bill collector. Yeah. Uh, he got me a job in our early 20s that he was already working as a bill collector. Yeah. And Buddy was, uh, man, he was fierce. Legend he was a monster. So there's the, the correlation between Buddy and uh, Andrew Jackson. But I hated every day of it. So Bill collecting, shouting. You know, it'll steal your bill soul. It does. It sucks. It collects on your soul. There are some funny stories from those times, but. Very true. By 1796, he is both appointed as a member of the convention that drafts the Tennessee State Constitution and elected as the first wave of representatives for the state to the U.S. House. But he wasn't exactly a powerhouse congressman and didn't even seek re-election after his first term. He returns to Tennessee from Washington and decides to focus on his private life and his business. What was Jackson's business outside of politics and being a collections attorney? Well, he likes to buy and sell land. He pairs up with some other attorneys and businessmen and does a pretty good job at finding pieces of land that had been temporarily opened up due to the Land Grab Act of 1783, which basically meant that the, that the government told settlers that portions of Native American lands west of the Appalachians could be purchased. That's right. It was like uh, selling settlers. Yeah. The new version of like selling Sunset, but it was selling settlers. That's it. Oh, wow. Andrew Jackson was a high-powered fucking real estate guy. That's right. That Unfo- wore, <laughs> wore expensive suits with no socks, with the pants a little short, with like loafers on. Yeah, he did. He had some, some deck shoes on. So it's just like back in the times of like far and away where you're like pl- like running out and putting the as literally the land grab that's the land grab yeah it's a land yeah. grab unfortunately for the native americans of course and they didn't have a much, <laughs> much was, of a say it was the their land that they were grabbing <laughs> yes but jackson was successful at this venture he was actually one of the initial three investors that founded memphis tennessee so uh, thanks for that he i guess founded a city yeah on, on an investment yeah wow Lovely town, Memphis, birthplace of our very own Randy. Yes, sir. And home of rap <laughs> legends, 8-Ball and MJG. Oh, Orange Mound. Yep. But Jackson isn't just a duelist, collections lawyer, congressman, and land speculator. Oh, no. He also dabbles in commerce, opening a general store in Gallatin, Tennessee. And he tops it all off by becoming a big-time farmer plantation owner with his purchase and eventual expansion of the Hermitage an eventual 1,000-acre plantation outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, wow. I have played golf there. That's right. Yep. There's three or four courses there. Yeah. Super nice, buddy. The same guy that lives in Nashville, one of my best friends. Yeah. It was his bachelor party. We sure. played at the Hermitage. Right. Super nice. Really cool. On this property, 
Andrew Jackson primarily grew cotton. Now, what's really amazing about this is that he actually manages to get the cotton grown and harvested by well-paid white workers. I'm kidding. He uses slaves. <laughs> I he knew uses, that was coming. I knew that was coming yeah, this both time. Me and Randy just were like, Mikey, for it. you have now your your behavior. Uh-huh. You can dial it in. A little bit of it. Yeah, you've, 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 there's a little bit of a tell sometimes. Yeah. You've fooled us in the past. Yeah. Historically, you've fooled hey, us. Don't, this, don't, don't get ahead of yourself, Randy. This is one of the first times we've been able to catch him. This is the... This is true. The historical context helps. <laughs> but because he uses slaves, he uses a lot of slaves. And yes, I fully understand that Jackson was a man of his times and not out of the ordinary when it comes to powerful men in the era, but we still need to address it because... He wasn't some statistical outlier or Old South legend version of the friendly slave owner, you know, the guy that had to own slaves, but felt bad about it, so he treated them like family and taught them to read and shit. No. Andrew Jackson, like, to him, they were legitimate property, and that's uh, the exact way he thought about them. Over the course of his life, Jackson would own hundreds of slaves, some of them purchased as children. Unlike a lot of notable figures at that time, He never wrote philosophically on the institution of slavery, its merits, or morality. So we're left to look at other information and correspondence to get an idea of Jackson and his relationship to his slaves. So it sounded as though he was very... Well, he didn't broadcast his support of it, right? That's what it sounds like. There was no writings, whether for or against it. It's part of daily life. This is part of my commerce, and I'm going to flip it. Instead of flipping houses, you're flipping people. Yeah, like with guys like Washington and especially with Jefferson, there was uh, a sense of they still did it because it was a uh, means to an end. But like Jefferson, especially seemed to feel bad. There was morality issues yeah. with it for yeah. them. Yeah. Well, but, TJ liked to bang out the slaves, too. He did. He did. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But AJ was like Sally Hemings. AJ was flipping them like nothing. Yeah. Uh, there were times when Jackson seemed to be concerned about their treatment. For instance, on one occasion, he expressed concern about the death of one of his slaves quote, might have been produced by the ill treatment of the overseer, end quote. And he insisted that farm managers he hired would, quote, treat my Negroes with humanity, end quote. So that seems nice, right? But when he wrote to the overseer that he had concerns with regarding the death of this slave, he demanded, quote, a full account of your guardianship with the loss of my property, end quote. Ooh. And there was that just the terminology for the times. So that's what I kind of take it as it is. It is. And as we, we talked about this, this is why we sort of set the precedent. And what happened, man? That's what he's asking. What happened, man? Like, yeah. It's unfortunate to, to, to think of other human beings as property. Right. But it was certainly commonplace at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and there were other times in which Jackson's cruelty was well documented. When one of his enslaved women, a woman named Betty, was accused of being, quote, uppity and found, uh, quote, guilty of some improper conduct, Jackson demanded that of his slave overseer that she, quote, must be ruled with the cowhide, end quote, and should be given 50 lashes the next time she misbehaved. Evil Betty. Evil Betty. And when one of his slaves ran away from his plantation, Jackson took out an advertisement in the Tennessee Gazette that promised a reward for the man's return to Jackson and, quote, $10 extra for every 100 lashes any person will give him to the amount of 300 Oh, wow. Translation, Damn. Andrew Jackson will pay anyone 30 bucks to whip a man to death. Because, yeah, in case you aren't aware, 300 lashes will straight up kill a man. Jesus. So that's not great. Wow. Wow. I mean, I guess he's trying to, like, 
in a sense, like set the example. I was about to say for the other the other slaves, you know, and that's like, what well, I'm hearing. But I'm not I mean, running God away. Damn, yeah. these are pretty steep. Yeah, whip a man to death. Yeah, for thirty bucks. But what is that equivalent? Even what is that uh, the equivalent of the time? I know. I don't, I I didn't I didn't pull out the inflation calculator like I normally do because <laughs> I don't think Look, it matters in this case. Even if it's fucking a hundred thousand dollars, like yeah. like a hundred G's, you gonna whip a dude mm-hmm. to death? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Unfortunately, there were people that were excited to do that shit back in the day. I like, mean, there'd be there's people now that would probably yes. like to take a crack at this. Uh, so it's not great. It's not great, and I get it. Uh, I get it. Man of his time, still fucking horrible. Jackson would own slaves for practically the entirety of his adult life, including bringing men into the White House when he became president. And to truly paint the picture about how fucking weird it all is, viewed by today's uh, much more decent standards, Jackson had a, quote, manservant that literally slept on a pallet at the foot of his bed in the White House so that he could be accessible at any given moment to Jackson. The manservant was a slave named George who was in his early 20s. Fucking weird, dude. Wow. George. Slept. George. Jerk my dick. Yeah, dude. Jerk me off right now. Like he was a fucking dog sleeping at like the foot of the bed. Can you imagine having to sleep at the foot of your boss's bed? Even if we're not... not I'd kill him to sleep pretty early uh, on, yeah. I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, honestly... Taking one for the team. Yeah. Honestly, the sad thing is a lot of times it's Stockholm Syndrome. They come to like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's whatever. But I mean, it's a weird thing to me. It was just like, imagine... Having to lay there and like listen to fucking <laughs> Andrew Jackson rip nighttime farts, <laughs> or even bang his wife, like uh, yeah. listening to him bang his wife or something. Go he's out like, by the door for the next forty-five seconds, or even yeah. if just he's laying in bed and jerks off. Like there's a guy <laughs> at the bottom of your bed. You know what I mean? He like, said, George, "Did you see that corset today?" Oh, oh, George, what do you think? I'm just kidding. You're <laughs> so your prostate's in desperate need of yes. uh, exercise. You're just dribbling all of your hand. Now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, Jackson was such a big proponent of slavery that he pushed for its expansion into Western territories, setting up, at least to some extent, the greater argument over the nation's slavery policy, which led to the Civil War. That's when you get into like the Kansas-Nebraska Act yep. and all that stuff like yep. that, like. They were, it was, that's, that's what drove, this is the underpinnings of the Civil War here. But okay, let's go back a little bit here, right? Back to Jackson and Nashville. Jackson has proven himself to be a jack of all trades. He's made a name for himself in the new state of Tennessee. He was a lawyer, land speculator, farmer, congressman, was elected senator, and was also a judge. Motherfuckers back then were collecting professions like Pokemon cards. I'm a farmer, <laughs> firefighter, and a fashion designer. That covers the F's onto the G's. I drive hmm. Uber. He said, mm, galley cook? <laughs> this motherfucker is Leonardo DiCaprio from Catch Me If You Can. That's true. You can he do was it a like doctor then. first, and then he was a lawyer. He was an airplane pilot. That's like right. Everything. All before he was 18. That's it. But after he smoked Charles Dickinson like a blunt in their infamous <laughs> duel, he lost a lot of social cachet, so he's trying to get back in Tennessee high society's good graces. So he figured, I'm a dude that's been made unpopular by winning a duel. Who could I pair up with that uh, could help me regain my status? Hmm, I know another guy with a better reputation. But who is that? Well, Andrew Jackson decides that his best path to the top again comes from befriending none other than Aaron Burr. You know, the guy that killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. That's right. Oh, wow. And this isn't before Burr kills Hamilton. It's like right after pretty much. So, interesting thought process there, Andy. (laughs) That's my guy. That's it. 
Aaron Burr himself is rendered unpopular and politically dead by killing the beloved star of an overrated musical production, <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so Hamilton, uh, signer of the Declaration of Independence, correct? Uh, yes. What state was he from? Do you recall Virginia? No, I think Hampton was up north. This is going to be Connecticut. Where? Some uh, I have no yeah. idea. I, I know I know you're <laughs> shooting from the hip over there, buddy. But you know, I, the musical itself, I watched it. I remember it was July 4th, 2 years ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. My son and my wife were pretty excited that it came on whatever streaming service. Disney. Disney. Okay, there it is. They played it. I slept. Oh, dude. I got through probably 20 minutes. As soon as I realized that it was just a singing no. musical. You don't get it. Like, dude, people that know me are like, you love history and you love hip hop. You are going to love Hamilton. And I was like. That's why I love you because I'm, I'm pretty sure you. Oh, I was I'll like. I, I, I was like, I fucking hate musicals. I was like, but I'll give it a shot. Fucking hated it. I'm talking about hated it. Again, like, that's why you've been one of. You know, one of my best friends for 30 years. It was so bad. I couldn't get through it either. I was like, the, like it sounded like hip hop that my dad wrote. I don't give a <laughs> fuck. I don't give how, how great I were like Lin-Manuel Miranda or whatever. It was fucking Dude, awful. I, again, they're talented as fuck. You watch it and you're yeah. like, yes, they're talented. Not God, my bag. I am not discounting them one iota no. of talent. But no. again, it's just not your my, cup of tea. Nope. At all I for two like, years, but, uh, but for all of us, musicals aren't even like what was the Tom Cruise rock and roll musical that came through? Yeah, I don't know. I, I hated it. I got woken up through that movie, and they're like, "Shut up, God yeah. Almighty! You're snoring so loud no. that go to bed." Yeah, we're go, trying to watch a movie here. Yep. People yep. were about it. People were like listening to the soundtrack, and they're like, oh, no. "You love hip hop? It's really good." I was like, "This is this is fucking horrible." I look, hey, that's me. If you guys like Hamilton, great. Yeah, but it's, I, I thought it was fucking no, absolutely. And everybody to each his own. And, and I've thing. got a lot of friends that like don't watch musicals that actually yeah. do like Hamilton. Yeah. And you know, that's that's one I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. But. And that's my other thing. I don't do shows. No. And it sucks because what's funny people, is you don't do shows, but out of the three of us, you've been to the most shows. Absolutely. Most <laughs> recent, I was at a show. Not like my mom and my parents are just in love with going to the theater. Yeah, yeah. They have season passes to two different theaters. Yeah, in the Atlanta area. No, and we're I going to, go to fucking plays all the time. I and to I go. took him to a play where we live, and I bought the box seats. Yeah, no, oh, and it ballin'. was dude, it, dude, it was not much to get yeah. box seats at the local theater. But you have there's four chairs and like a box thing, so you have room to stretch your legs. Because yeah. normally when you're in a theater, you're fucking jammed up yeah. in a fucking like high school auditorium mm-hmm. seat. But no, nah, and that's how you do it. And I'd have like five or six glasses of wine yeah. and. I like yeah, I, I like my wife drives home. It's good. I like music, and I and and I like history, but I don't like musicals, and I don't like stage acting. The stage acting is way over the top. It's very uncomfortable. And then like I had to go. Uh, I went to a show at the Alliance Theater that was like tickets that were given to us. I just I don't like it. I hated it. And like I said, I honestly wanted to really like Hamilton because I was like, oh cool, it sounds good. Now what I will give them credit for is that ten years ago. If I had asked for anybody about the history of Alexander Hamilton, they would have no fucking clue. Zero. Buddy's level of... Yes. Yep, yep. Now, he was a very pivotal figure in our country's history, and it's cool that people know that now. I'm going to leave it at that. So, moving on. Aaron Burr has a plan. He's going to round up an army and take territory for the U.S. He's thinking Texas and Florida are looking pretty fucking sweet. And Jackson is like, yeah, I can probably help with that. 
Unfortunately, the plan falls apart for a number of reasons, and Burr is actually tried for treason, though he's acquitted. However, this does not end Jackson's ideas of commanding an army. And when, in 1812, the U.S. declares a war on Great Britain, Old Andy is more than happy to pitch in. We actually declared the war on Great Britain in 1812. A lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> we kind of just told them, bring it, bitches. Yeah, we right? did. Yeah. In January of 1813, uh, Jackson leads a group of militiamen more than 2,000 strong towards New Orleans to defend against British and Native American forces. He's ordered to uh, have his militia serve under a General Wilkinson, commander of federal forces in that area. He agrees. But Wilkinson realizes that he doesn't have provisions to accommodate an additional couple thousand dudes. Plus, he assumes that these 2,000 dudes probably aren't exactly John Rambo quality soldiers. <laughs> so like he, farmers and stuff yeah. like that. So he tells Jackson to stop coming and ultimately asks the federal government to command Jackson to go back home but give their provisions to Wilkinson's forces. Interesting. Jackson so agrees. So like Wilkinson's like, I've got my 300 down here. Like, we can fucking fight. We don't need all the farmers and shit. But give us all your food. Yeah, he's like, they're going to get in the way. I can't even, I can't accommodate them. They're not really trained. We don't have, yeah, we don't have room for him. Just yeah. give me give me the bullets and the yeah. fucking food. He's like, we're we, good. We Otherwise, have, they're going to hinder us or yeah. they're going to be fodder. Yeah. Cannon like, fodder, literally. We have a, an objective here. And what's going to help us get this objective is for to treat them like a supply line. Give yeah. us your shit. Yeah. Sure. Jackson agrees, but not before defending his men, right? Saying that they're definitely a bunch of Rambos. <laughs> so <laughs> he takes his Rambos and he marches them back to Nashville pretty much supplyless but he pays for the men's needs on their way home out of his own pocket the tough march back is where he uh, gains his name old hickory because his hungry men barbecue and eat him and comment on his smoky sweet flavor <laughs> this wood here in uh, yeah. alabama is great i'm obviously kidding uh, it's because he was super tough like an old hickory tree or some shit i don't know a lot of those guys couldn't read so don't expect anything too clever okay <laughs> Back in Nashville, Jackson gets involved in dueling again, where he sustains another, like, <laughs> pretty bad bullet wound injury uh, while serious? engaged in a post-duel brawl after serving as a second for his friend. The second is the guy who yeah, shows up. Yeah, they got up. the witness. Yeah, that's it. Your second wow. is your homeboy. And there was a brawl that broke out and he got shot again? Yep. That's fucking, dude, this guy's gangster as fuck. This guy is legit gangster. Yeah. He fucking caught a slug in the chest, mm -hmm. planted one in the dude's fucking head and killed him, mm -hmm. was frowned upon, did some more war shit, yeah. had, another, <laughs> had another duel where he's backing his homeboy up. Just imagine, like, if one of you dudes had a duel, yeah. you know Randy's going to be there. Like, of course. And uh -huh. look, I'm not, I'm not downplaying either one. If either one of you two oh, had I'm a duel, to you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Both of y'all are going to pick me. I'll be, yeah. the, I'll be the number two. Yeah. And if you fuckers, please, one, shoot accurate. Two, I got your back. Yeah. You, and that's why you picked me. Yeah, you of know, course. Randy's going to clean yeah, the house. Clean right? house. Of true. course. It's yeah. true. That, 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 yeah, it went down. They fought, and he got another bullet, man. Survives another bullet. Jeez. That's like 50 cent over here. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Gangster, man. That fall, Jackson takes another 2,500 men and engages in what basically amounts to a war with a faction of the Muscogee, the Creek Indians. Most of the Creek Indians were trying to assimilate and get along with like the Americans, but a breakaway group known as the Red Sticks were like, um, in case you guys haven't noticed, these motherfuckers aren't going to be happy until they get rid of all of us. So they figured that violence was pretty much the order of the day. Eye for an eye. Yeah. Well, the, they're kind of outgunned. 
Literally. Yeah. These guys are like, no, let's play cool with them. Let's, they, let's shoot them with our bow and arrows and they can they catch seem a musket nice. at the grill. They seem nice. They're letting us do our thing or whatever. And these guys are like, have you not seen what they've done to everybody else? I would be in the Red Sticks camp. So the campaign lasts months, but Jackson uh, has a number of decisive wins, including the uh, Battle of Tallahatchie, the Battle of Talladega, and the Battle of Horseshoe Bend. The campaign results in the deaths of hundreds, if not thousands, of Creek Native Americans, including civilians in an uh, extended stretch of Jackson raising Creek villages to stamp out any remaining resistance. I heard that the uh, Battle of Talladega was a brutal duel between he and Dale Earnhardt the first. That's absolutely true. Uh, cavalry. And he yeah. actually won when Dale Earnhardt rode his wagon right into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Some historians argue that what occurred here uh, when he was raising Creek Villages falls under the term genocidal. But it's cool because after the Red Sticks are defeated, they sign the Treaty of Fort Jackson, which allows the Creeks that had fought alongside the Americans to keep their lands and go back to just getting along. I'm kidding. They uh, had to give up to say, all of their... I ain't falling for that one either. I was about to say, no, really? That doesn't sound like something that would happen. They yeah, had, no, I knew. I knew it was coming. That's right. You can't get one past that's me, true. Mikey. I know. I'm batting I'm batting uh, like 200. Over two. Over two. Right. Tonight. That's right, uh, buddy. Yeah. boy. They had to give up all of their land, too. 23 million acres of it. Even Whoa. the ones even the ones that helped Jackson fight the Red Sticks. Oh. But fuck it. <laughs> oh, by the that's time the worst the, right there. By the time the treaty is signed, Andrew Jackson is a legitimate major general of the United States Army. Totally badass, right? Jackson turns his attention to the British and the Spanish, kicks their asses at the Battle of Pensacola, and then, learning of a potential British invasion of New Orleans, he takes his army over there to kick some more ass. Jackson rolls into town and immediately declares martial law. He rules over the city in a less than democratic fashion. From a New Yorker article on the subject, quote, he, Jackson, censored a newspaper, came close to executing two deserters, and jailed a state congressman, a judge, and a district attorney. He defied a writ of uh, habeas corpus, which habeas corpus, Whoa. habeas yeah. corpus is where they have to tell you why you're being jailed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because I All said right. so. Hang on. Hang on. So it, it's hard to break down. You just went through a ton there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hour and a half show. I got to keep it there. So I know. I couldn't get into it too much. No, and you did a great job, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's a wrote, lot to unpack right there. Right. Yeah. He also imposed a nine o'clock curfew and required that everyone entering or exiting the city be vetted by the military. But he also did some fairly egalitarian things. <laughs> Imagine if you're trying to fuck your girlfriend back in the day and they got a <laughs> nine o'clock curfew and like your parents have got you in and you're like 15. You're like trying to go bang your girlfriend. You got to do it in the daytime. I got the horse tied up right under my window. Oh, man, you're running from the cops. No, you're legit probably running from the fucking mm -hmm. cops, sneaking in the window, pounding it out, yeah. and trying to run back home. Not catching musket ball in the back. Nice. Uh, but like I said, he did some uh, fairly e uh, egalitarian things. For instance, he formed up military units of Muscogee natives and former slaves, and he paid them the same amount as the white dudes, which was not entirely appreciated by the white dudes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, I want more money than yeah, them. Poor white guys. Now, when the British do finally attack, they come in a force that outnumbers Jackson's uh, forces two to one. Long story short, the British get their asses handed to them. Yes, they do, America. Following, <laughs> following the biggest portion of the battle, Jackson admitted to only 71 total casualties. Of these, 13 men were killed, 39 wounded, and 19 missing or captured. The British admitted 2,037 casualties. Of these, 
291 men were killed, including of their two commanders, one of which was General Packenham. Uh, Twelve yeah, Packenham, Pack yeah, bullets. Twelve, uh, yeah, twelve hundred sixty-two wounded and four hundred eighty-four missing or captured. Dude. So that's some baller-ass shit. I'll be honest; it sounds as though those guys fucking rolled into that war zone with no guns and their arms just out to their side, yeah. running at them. Hey, I'm gonna yeah. get you! And they, they blasted fifteen hundred right it, the it, it honestly sounds like the Russians rolling into Kiev. I mean, good God. I mean that's a twenty to one loss Dude, they, ratio. They, exactly. Like, that's a, I'm looking at the math on that and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, are you huge, serious? Huge that, victory. That's Battle New Orleans. It's a total route for the British. And it basically closes out hostilities between the British and the Americans that started in eighteen twelve. Andrew Jackson becomes a national hero. They're like making up songs about him and shit. It's a big deal. By a congressional resolution. I'm sorry, Andy Jackson. <laughs> By a congressional resolution on February 27th, 1815, Jackson was given the thanks of Congress and awarded a congressional gold medal. So now that the Battle of New Orleans is over, old Andy ends martial law in the city. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He keeps it in place, keeps the militia under his control, and when a state senator has the audacity to write an op-ed in the New Orleans paper questioning Jackson's continued control over the militia, even after the British have left the city, Jackson had him smoked out and arrested. Wow. Damn. Oh, yeah. And Jackson also had six militia members uh, that tried to go home, you know, since the fucking war was over executed oh wow so he's just sitting there playing king of new orleans that's correct and like sounds like a a reality tv show king of new orleans (laughs) kill him kill that one (laughs) but luckily for him that situation would be pretty much forgotten for a number of years he ends up back in the u.s senate his second run at the chamber in 1824 still thought of by most americans as a super awesome war hero he's pushed into the presidential race this was the time in which candidates didn't really do any campaigning themselves, right? Instead, people campaigned for them, which is obviously very different than modern uh, presidential uh, yeah, elections. Just yeah. a little bit. But that isn't to say that Jackson didn't want to be president because he definitely did. Unfortunately for him, he'd become the first president to win the popular vote but lose the election due to some procedural bullshit. Not going to get too into it because it's definitely a bit archaic and complicated. But suffice it to say that when candidates Henry Clay and John Quincy Adams formed an alliance that pushed him out, Jackson didn't take it too well. Of Clay, who had agreed to back Adams for the presidency and received an appointment as Secretary of State, Jackson said, quote, So you see, the Judas of the West has closed the contract and received the 30 pieces of silver. His end will be the same. End quote. That is the losing presidential candidate saying that one of the others will suffer the same fate as the guy that betrayed Jesus. For those unfamiliar, <laughs> Judas hung himself. So, uh, total side note, my aunt has done a total deep dive into our genealogy, right? Yeah. And apparently... You're actually a Jew? No. I am related to John Adams and John Quincy Adams. Okay. Yep. Through blood. Yeah. Oh, a lot of argument of, uh, amongst presidential historians that say that John Quincy Adams was uh, one of the most underrated presidents. Also, when you actually look at his pedigree, the guy was a very intelligent guy, but definitely was the first George W. Bush by taking that <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Additionally, so angered by the outcome was Jackson that he resigned from his Senate seat and decided that he'd form his own fucking political party and the Democrat Party is born. Wow, he started it? 
He did. Really? I feel like Mikey's about to be like, I'm just kidding. It's for real. Well, you remember back in the day, the Democrats were conservative and the Republicans were liberal and it was flipped. Democrats uh, were all about slave uh, ownership and stuff like that, which is why it extended out until really until the Lincoln. No, even beyond that. This is why if you look at now, like if you look at the elections in the South all the way up until the early 2000s, Democrats were always the winners in the South. Yeah. Except here in Georgia? No. Go back. And we had uh, Zell Miller was a Democrat uh, as a governor. Like Democrats ruled the South. What you had happen is in 1948 was what you had was called the split between the Democrats and what they called the Dixiecrats, which was Strom yep, Thurmond. Yep, sure. And that's when the Democrats really in the 50s decided that they were like, hey, the party's changing. We're going to get along with like or get onto the civil rights camp. And Strom Thurmond, uh, a representative from South Carolina, was, lived to be the, like ninety three, yeah, and was or lived to be I think ninety nine. He may have been a hundred or something, yeah, like that. but was on the Senate till he was like yeah. ninety three. Forty eight, oh, wow. he ran with the Dixiecrats. He was because, in forty eight, and this guy ran no yeah. shit to like twenty twenty. I mean, it was it was it was not it, that. It, close, no, it was it was yeah. in the two thousands. He died, uh, and Jesus, and so, yeah, that was the split really because. That's when, and this is not to get too off topic, but Nixon imposed what was called the Southern strategy in the late 60s, where he was saying that he wanted to peel off all those like disaffected Democrats who really were against like integration and forced busing and stuff like that. But from Jackson all the way up, really until like almost 2002, 2003, the Democrats ruled the South and it was a very different party. Interesting. Yeah. Politics can be interesting. I swear to God. <laughs> that's why I use you for the Cliff's notes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's too much to weed out through the rest. Yeah, that's why. At least for money. Mikey, tell me what's going on. Who do I vote for? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty <don't>. much. <laughs> How many times have you listened to an episode and thought, man, I wish they would have said this? Well, now with our interactive social media pages, you can. Let us know what you think about our show subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you at least. Let's dive back into the action. In 1828, Jackson is like, run that shit back, bro. <laughs> He's coming for the presidency again. This time as a Democrat. Actually, well, again. Yeah, that's right. Actually, he was nominated in 1825, the earliest nomination in history at that point, maybe even still, probably because he'd won the popular vote. Uh, but you get the idea. Anyway, if you think presidential politics are brutal now, wait till you get a hold of the election of 1828. Jackson was labeled a slave trader who bought and sold slaves and treated them worse than standard slaveholder behavior at the time. Okay, that's at least mostly true. A series of pamphlets known as the Coffin Handbills were published to attack Jackson, one of which revealed his order to execute soldiers in New Orleans. Oh yeah, forgot about that one, but yeah, he did that shit. Yeah, came back to bite him. Another accused him of engaging in cannibalism by eating the bodies of Whoa. American Indians killed in battle. That one seems less likely. <laughs> Old Hickory. While still... <laughs> Hickory smoked thigh. While still another labeled his mother a, quote, common prostitute. Oh! And your mama, ho, <laughs> AJ, boy! And stated that Jackson's father was a mulatto man. Oh, now, oh. that's just some cold-ass, racist-ass shit. And you wouldn't see that again until the primary election of South Carolina in the year 2000, when George W. Bush's team accused 
John McCain of a father uh, fathering an illegitimate black child. <laughs> <laughs> that is all true. Interesting. Interesting. But it didn't end there. His wife, Rachel, was attacked as a bigamist, which, again, probably uh, true. I mean, kind of close. But Adam's supporters were, like, extra mean about it. Jackson's supporters responded by saying that Adams had purchased the services of a young girl to service the czar of Russia at the time, Alexander. They also said that uh, Adams had put a billiards table in the White House and had charged the expense to the government, nice. which that seems pretty tame compared to them calling. <laughs> <laughs> he put a fucking pool table in the White House. Yeah. Give the guy a goddamn break. He's my great, 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 great uncle, step uncle, yeah. whatever the fuck he is. Pretty, yeah. pretty tame compared to them calling Jackson's mom a whore. But whatever. The election is so rough on Rachel that just three days after Jackson pulls off the victory, she drops dead from a heart attack. No. Jeez, are you serious? Wow. Jackson is so grief stricken that he uh, has to be pulled from her body just so the undertaker could start pickling her. That was me. <laughs> pickling her? Oh. That was me, 100%. Sorry. Uh, Jackson felt that the weight of the campaign and the ferocity with which she'd been attacked had led greatly to her demise. He was not happy, saying at her funeral, quote, May God Almighty forgive her murderers as I know she forgave them. I never can. End quote. And you saw how he came after Charles Dickinson. So, right. you know, like, I'd be worried if I was those guys that were throwing the shade. Yeah. Fucking liberal media killed my wife. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. So Jackson calls John Quincy Adams out. He demands that he meet him at the WWE 1828 Hell in a Cell event That's where they right. will battle it out in a full-on <laughs> cage match yeah. for all the presidential belts. I'm also kidding about that. <laughs> he just became president, an angry bitter lonely very horny president he didn't call out like a duel right off the rip he didn't it was a little that's a little too high now what's interesting though with the duel culture was it really was sort of relegated to southern culture john Quincy uh, adams from the north they were like you guys are fucking barbarians what the fuck are you guys doing to each other once you hit the mason dixon line it kind of fizzled we are georgia boys I will still say that the North had all of the shit right. <laughs> <laughs> Slavery is awful. Dueling is dumb. Whatever. Dueling is dumb, but it's very interesting. <laughs> it is. Now, it's a spectator sport. <laughs> for the final offering on the Andrew Jackson as asshole altar, and that is his approach to Native Americans as the president of the United States of America. There's obviously plenty more to his presidency. But this is just the greatest asshole hit so we can keep the show close to an hour or so. <laughs> now, as we know, Jackson had already been A-OK with pushing Native Americans off of their tribal lands before he was president. But as president, armed with a bully pulpit and significantly more powerful, he really got to work. Ouch. In 1830... Pack your bags, Squancho. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> In 1830, Jackson helps push through Congress the uh, what was called the Indian Removal Act. This was a big deal. Wow, the Indian Removal Act. Yeah, we're not even gonna like try to make yeah. it look wow. nice. Wow, no, yeah. This. this was a big deal for Jackson and his administration. In fact, according to a source I found, his own vice president and successor, Martin Van Buren, said of uh, it, Seinfeld fame. I, yep. We're Absolutely. Knew that Van, was coming The in. Van Buren boys, you know, when Kramer's in the corner and he's pinned up against the wall by the Van Buren boys, he's got the salt shaker in his hand. So imagine holding a salt shaker with two hands up and you're holding it with your pointer finger and your thumb, right? You have eight fingers up. 
and they stop because Van Buren was the eighth president of the United States. That's right. That's because Van Buren was his own vice president and successor. And he said of Jackson, quote, there was no measure in the whole course of his administration of which he was more exclusively the author than this, end quote. So Jackson is historically responsible for the Indian Removal Act and what would become known as the Trail of Tears, and rightfully so. Now, if you're not familiar with the Trail of Tears, it refers to the forced removal of Native Americans throughout the southeastern United States to areas uh, out west. And as bad as that already sounds, it's actually worse because the land wasn't just taken so little old homesteaders could move further out west and set up their little self-sufficient farms. It was largely taken to extend out the property of Southern plantation owners and to expand slavery further into the country. So go ahead, two birds, one stone, shittiness all around. From the book, The Long Bitter Trail, Andrew Jackson and the Indians by anthropologist and historian Anthony Wallace, quote, The hunger for Indian land was most intense in the Southern slave-owning states, and Jackson, as a politician, generally reflected Southern economic interests, end quote. And Wallace also noted that, quote, Andrew Jackson had a personal financial interest in some of the lands whose purchase he arranged, end quote. Ooh. And he did all this as president? Yes. Jesus Christ. Could you imagine, could you imagine nowadays, literally, right. if fucking Biden was trying to buy land and yeah. flip it and, oh my God. Yeah. Or, and like put his own hotel up on it or some <laughs> shit like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> so there's already a bit of a conflict of interest there. A little bit. It's important to note here that the Indian Removal Act didn't create a sweeping all-in-one removal of just one major tribe. Rather, it provided the framework for the United States government to ostensibly negotiate with tribes to sell their land and move west to areas designated for them. Of course, that's not really how it went down. Anthony Wallace writes, quote, In principle, immigration was to be voluntary, but the actual policy of the administration was to encourage removal by all means uh, necessary. Encourage removal by fair all or, means necessary. Fair or foul. Efforts to weaken tribal chiefs and tribal cohesiveness included them stopping payments to certain tribes, which had been negotiated in previous land deals. And they let southern state governments uh, like allow them to impose their will upon tribes in those uh, in those states, doing things like, quote, destroying tribal governments, banning tribal assemblies, making it illegal to pass tribal laws, denying them the right to vote or sue or testify in court or even dig gold on their own land, a provision passed only after gold was discovered. They couldn't get the gold off their own land. No, but it was only after gold was found. They found gold in their land and they're like, wait, wait, wait. Nope. Can't. Where's your permit? Where's your permit? This is ours. Where where did y'all think that happened? California. Georgia. Are you oh, fucking kidding me? Yeah, first Dahlonega. gold rush. First gold rush was in the 1820s, 1830s in Dahlonega, Georgia. Dahlonega, yeah, yeah, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jesus as, Christ. As, as uh, visitors call it, Dahlonega. <laughs> in other instances, they paid off minority interests in tribes who would then agree to the forced migration against the wishes of the majority of the tribe. This was certainly the case in the first Post Act Treaty, the quote uh, Treaty of Dancing Rabbit Creek, which secured Choctaw removal. And these migrations were not as simple as picking up your home and moving to the desolate hellscape known as Oklahoma, because even though that move would probably make you want to die today, the reality is that (laughs) there isn't a whole lot of risk in it, right? But back then, it was a very different story. Look, man, just get your TP and go. That's right. 
In this particular instance, about 4,000 Choctaws died of cholera, while hundreds more died from hunger, exposure, and various other accidents. Dysentery. And that's just the Choctaw removal. More casualty incidents included over 300 Creek natives dying when a paddle boat sank on the Mississippi River. And according to some historians, anywhere from 20 to 25% of the Eastern Cherokees died either being rounded up or transported west. Jesus Christ. And those are just the tangible losses. It's much more difficult to account for the damage done to tribal culture and languages and future economic prospects, although it is easy to point out today that the tribal reservations that exist as a result of this forced migration are not exactly economic powerhouses, but that's for another show. Yeah. I do enjoy the Cherokees Casino in Cherokee, North yes. Carolina. I yes. Do. I've been up there with Randy a couple of times. They we all good, have. They have a good poker room. That's where I had my 40th birthday party. Yep. In the height of COVID, when everything was shut down, we were going to do a big Vegas blowout. Yep. Nope. We were in reduced Cherokee. to Cherokee, North Carolina. Thank you, Andrew Jackson. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So hold on. Let me get this straight. Are you basically saying that if Andrew Jackson hadn't come along, that Indians would be way more integrated into the United States no, culture. I don't think or, so. I think this was going to happen one way or another, but I think that he was, he was very much an expediter in that process. Very instrumental. Much, in making much it happen. more crucial. Yeah. It was going to happen. It's, and, and to be fair, this happened globally. Like it happened to uh, the Aborigines in Australia. Sure. Like they're just going to get moved out, you know, but that doesn't, absolve him of anything right you know what i'm saying he still was a fucking asshole about this yeah did i hear you say that there was basically some bait and switching going on where like he oh, would all of it was. he was like yo look we're gonna pay you just keep on going so they'd hut, get up and move and they was like i'm not gonna pay you there were so many treaties that were signed and then broken and then signed and then broken like i said and it happens i mean at some point you gotta ask for your money up front well, you and that's hope, the Red Sticks tried. Yeah. <laughs> the Red yeah. Sticks tried. It. They were <laughs> like, trying to tell everybody. To yeah. They were like, yo, they're going to keep fucking us up. Yeah. And they're like, the nice people are like, no, 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 they're going to be pretty cool. They're like, we'll help them and they'll let us chill. And then at the end, when they defeated the Red Sticks, they were like, hey, we're still taking your shit. Damn. Yeah. That's we won and we still lost. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what we get into when we talk about like, CRT or critical race theory, they're like, yeah, I don't talk about that so much. And you're like, no, no, no. The only people that don't want to talk about it are the people that are embarrassed by the real policies here. We fucked those people over, man. Jeez. Not cool. And honestly, it's it's still, I mean, dude, reservations are, unfortunately for them, like, obviously you have a lot of, like, tribal stuff with uh, casinos and stuff like that, but that's those, that's been That's a small minority. That, no, and that's been co-opted by people that barely have any integration into that, and they they take advantage of it for the majority of people that are native americans that live now your existence is not great isn't there a lot of them that are drug addicts right yes. now and like yeah. just basically live on these reservations but there's nothing that, that there's no benefit no. you know there's no like a lot of job opportunities there's no education there was a, a whole lot of tribe sit there and drink there was a whole tribe in uh I believe it's oklahoma <laughs> in the 20s where they found oil on their land now at this point it wasn't you couldn't just run them off right so the it was a different time. 1920s. Yeah, this isn't the 1820s. So what ended up happening was a lot of these people just got murdered. And they, they lost their rights to oil. Wow. And like, yeah. Well, we're saying continued. the government came in and did this? Or no, like no, individuals? No, no, no. no, because again, it was a different time. So you couldn't just be like, it wasn't 1820. It was 1920. But what individuals did was... You mean that, Exxon sent their henchmen in? 
it's it, like I said, it that's a whole show in itself. But basically, this tribe of that's conspiracy court on they, Patreon. They they ended up getting incredibly wealthy, and they a lot of them got murdered for their oil rights. Jeez, yeah, not good, not good. Anyways, in 1835, Jackson also becomes the first president to withstand uh, an assassination attempt. First one. Really? Yeah. At this point, he's already old and weak, having been shot multiple times, been a POW, and survived smallpox. Yeah, he's like 50 cent at this point. He's, yeah, already he's got, still got a bullet lodged yeah, right, exactly. right next this to his This guy's like, what What do you got, buddy? Yeah. You going to try to shoot me? Nice. Yeah. And he's walking. Uh, and he's already made his vitamin money water. Yeah, so, you right. know. Get in line, homie. And he's walking through the uh, Capitol Rotunda, leaning on a colleague and using a cane when a man steps out from behind a pillar and takes aim at him. The man, Richard Lawrence is his name, pulls the trigger and smoking stuff, but the gun doesn't fire. Oh, Jackson charges Lawrence with his cane yelling, I know where this came from. Uh, as, Lawrence, as, Lawrence, <laughs> nice. as Lawrence pulls a second pistol out, takes aim. Some say through a barrage of cane blows from Jackson and again misfires. So two, oh my God. two for two. The lesson here is to not go cheap on your guns, friends. Uh, pay for quality tools. Wow. You get what you pay wow. for. Both right. the guns jammed on him. Both of them, yeah. Misfired. They said he was getting hit with a cane in the meantime. Yeah. They said they tested him afterwards and they fired perfectly. So there was like this whole thing like, oh, it was like God's divine and everything. Nah. Uh, he had some shitty guns. Uh, <laughs> while Jackson thought that the plot had been set up by his political opponents, the attacker was ultimately deemed insane and was institutionalized at the Government Hospital for the Insane in Washington, D.C. Following his presidency, Jackson remained engaged in politics, although mostly as a consultant to his successors in the Democratic Party that he had founded. But on June 8, 1845, Andy's old ticker finally gives out and he dies in his slave plantation, the Hermitage, at the ripe old age of 78. They pit barbecue his body for one final hit of that sweet old hickory flavor, and all of Nashville arrives to, quote, savor the flavor. In actuality, they just did the big, uh, the usual big-ass funeral for a former president, but there was one difference. Jackson had a beloved pet parrot named Paul who uh, lived at the Hermitage for years, and during the funeral, with all the hustle and bustle of the hundreds of mourners, Paul became a bit agitated. An attendee, Reverend William uh, Menifee Normant, said, quote, Before the sermon, and while the crowd was gathering, a wicked parrot that was a household pet got excited and commenced swearing so loud and long as to disturb the people and had to be carried from the house. Further noting that the presidential parrot was, quote, excited by the multitude and let loose perfect gusts of cuss words. <laughs> People were, quote, horrified and awed at the bird's lack of reverence. <laughs> boy. And that is uh, Andrew Jackson. Final scores, boys. I love wow. it. I fucking love it. Randy, what you got? Awesome. So a lot of the stuff I knew about going into it, I learned a great amount about kind of the middle part of his life, how he treated his slaves, Kind of what he was shooting for, how he kind of rose to power. Yeah. That was kind of the interesting part. Obviously, because I'm direct lineage of the Adams family. Yeah. You um, got to hate him. Yeah, I do. Um, I do. Absolutely. <laughs> and right. I hope Tubman takes the 20 sooner rather than later. I agree. By God. I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. This fucking guy. She was way, uh, at least she wasn't like oh, paying that, people 300 bucks to kill somebody. Yeah, that, no, for that, lashing, yeah, you know. That chick was dope. Uh, end of the day, my final score for fucking Andrew Jackson, 
7.82. Okay. 7.82 for Randy. Buddy, what you got? All right. Well, wow. That was an eye-opening show. And when you look at it just on the surface, you know, this was a kid that was an orphan by the age of 14 who rose through military ranks, who rose through, I mean, before that, he yeah. he was a lawyer, a debt collector, a, I mean, you name it. He was a b-boy. He was a great break dancer. I a mean, man. everything. How do you think he won all the people? That's right. But yeah, then he goes on, he's, he does a stint in Congress, Senate, as a military leader. Like, I mean, this guy, just on surface, it's like, wow. Goes on to be president, and then like, a, basically a counselor for future presidents moving on and it just looks like you're like wow this guy's really impressive but then you hear start hearing about all the shit like god the genocide of the red sticks um the indian removal act trail of tears i didn't realize he was res- basically responsible for the trail of tears you know the start of the trail of tears has a historical marker that's literally 30 miles from here yep really wow but uh yeah no um uh, you just hear about like you know, you're like, maybe he was like, a, you know, maybe he was a decent guy there to his slaves. And no, he seems like he was horrible to his slaves, horrible to the Indians. He had no regard for anybody that wasn't basically like a white man, it seems like, or white uh, for the time. Uh, and, you know, is that a lot of what was going on at the time? No, absolutely. Man of his time. It was. They, you know, you, you ding him for being a racist. Of course, the way he treated your slaves, terrible. But slavery was like a primary source of income during that time again i don't condone it i fucking yeah but there's a way and all of us have been in these situations where we've gone into jobs and we've had good bosses and we've had shitty bosses that's true yeah you know and a shitty boss never entices you to work harder you know like through your own merits you know what i mean like so i don't know i i just uh he's he's a shitty boss he's a shitty person he devastated the Indians, and yeah, you know, we talked about it. There was going to be somebody that came after that did the same thing, but he's the one that you know was out there first. Yeah, he definitely, no. he definitely uh, expedited the process. Yeah, so no, I'm I'm not a fan of him at all. Um, this has been an eye-opening show for me, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick him up from where I originally had him. I had a had him at a five point five initially, but yeah, I've got to jump him up a bunch. I'm going to jump him up. Uh, as a final score of a 7.9. All right. As a final asshole score for Andrew Jackson. Good. Mikey, what you got? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you guys, again, yeah. I, if, if I'm the last one going, you guys have already articulated a lot of what I was going to say anyways. Yeah, man of his times, I get that. He also seemed excessively, uh, even for those times, he seemed a little bit harsh, especially when it comes to, like, the Native Americans. Not a big fan of that. Uh, also, the damage that was done with him really pushing slavery out west created the, the perfect storm somebody would have done it again it could have been anybody at this point and i get that but we're talking about him it's him uh he's a fucking asshole there are things about him that are sort of spectacular though you know what i mean like you're like okay like no matter what it is i got to respect how much of a fucking badass you were to to take a shot to the chest and then be like, I'm a lion this motherfucker up. For real, for real. It's legit. So I'll give you props. I mean, like, there's like, you know, there's other people that are horrible human beings that do spectacular things at some point or another. They're still bad people. I'm going to put them at an 8.25. I want to rate him higher, but again, if it wasn't for the fact that I, we really should take into context the historical zeitgeist of that time and how people were acting then you know it would be it would be higher but 
You know, he was mostly just on the high end of the scale of your average asshole back then. And they were all fucking assholes. Giant assholes, yeah. All right. With a 7.82 from Randy, a 7.9 from Buddy, and an 8.25 from Mikey, Andrew Jackson's final asshole score is a 7.99. All right. Now, this is very much in line, folks. Andrew Jackson has the same asshole score as Funkmaster Rick James, 7.99. Hey, all he was trying to bring was some unity. That's true. right. Yeah. To absolutely. the United States. There it is. Unity. 7.99 for Andrew Jackson. Pretty high on the scale if you look at the grand scheme of things. We have to, we're, we're at some point, as this show progresses, we're going to have to separate this out into centuries because it's, true. No, because it's, it's, yeah. it's whatever. So just stay tuned. <laughs> Once we get to 300 shows, it's going to be assholes of the 20th century, assholes of the 19th century, and we'll go that way. So, yes, it is absurd that Rick James and Andrew Jackson should be sharing a, a rocket ship to hell. But it's what it is. That's exactly right. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. We absolutely appreciate all the Patreon love we've seen recently. We've got a number of uh, new Patreons joining the group. We love it. You're going to get all the stickers and swag that we send out quarterly. So we hope you enjoyed the last batch that we sent out. It was awesome. I love the stickers. They're very cool. Yep. We got a new batch going out this month in September. So uh, be on the lookout. Absolutely. Be kind to one another. We love you. We'll see you next time on Asshole Court.